In 2017, it was announced that Estibales Carranza, also known as Esti, who had been sentenced to life behind bars in 2012 in a woman's prison in Lower Austria, was going to be transferred to an all-male prison in Upper Austria. Esti was going to be the first female inmate housed as this, quote, special, end quote, all-male prison, which held 91 male inmates in 2017. So what was it that she did that was so harrowing that led to her being moved out of her female prison and into an all-male one? This is the story of Estibales Carranza, otherwise known as the ice cream killer. All sources are attached in the notes. I was having a conversation with someone after the release of my Orang Madan recording, and they gave me inspiration in researching this case. So this time, we're going to talk about the heinous crimes committed by women. Estibales Carranza, born Goid Sargi Estibales Carranza Zabala, was born in Mexico City, but moved to Spain when she was five and grew up in Barcelona. Since then, she had both Spanish and Mexican citizenship. Her dad, Armando, was a locally renowned author who used to be a journalist, and he had written quite a bit of books, including on the topics of religion, philosophy, and lives of the natives. Esti also had a younger brother, and it was said that her father was quite, quote, tyrannical, end quote, and she'd grown up in a very, very strict and borderline abusive household. And from a young age, it was said that she started developing murderous fantasies. She did go on to study economics at the University of Barcelona as per her father's instructions, and it didn't really say whether or not she enjoyed the course. The men in her life treated her really badly, first her abusive father, then her first fiancé. Esti was in a relationship with him for five years, and she later said that their relationship was basically him treating her as if she were property. So he would be quite possessive and was just overall quite controlling. Nevertheless, Esti at the time was looking for a stable, serious, and long-term relationship. Having the father figure throughout her life being quite difficult, I think at this point she just really wanted to find someone to commit to. And after she graduated university, her boyfriend broke up with her because it turns out he wasn't looking for a serious relationship. And it was said that it was at this point that the murder fantasies just grew and she started considering manipulating the brake on his car. After this, Esti left Spain and settled in Germany. She started living in Munich, where she worked as an au pair for a family friend. An au pair is basically a live-in nanny that basically becomes part of the family. So you can be an au pair if, for example, you're in your late teens and you're looking to travel to another country, but you don't have that much money. So you would find a family in that country and stay with them. And in turns, you house it for them and take care of their children for them. So this is what happened to Esti. She worked as an au pair and she had no problem quickly fitting into the environment because she'd already learned German as a kid. She stayed in a state called Bavaria in Germany after her job as an au pair and took a job in an ice cream shop. And this was precisely where she met her first husband, Hoger Holz. Now, Hoger was actually 14 years older than her, and he was a member of the Hare Krishna religious community. Now, I looked into what this was because I didn't know when I came across this. 
Krishna is a Hindu god, and essentially this group aimed to spread the Krishna consciousness across the West. So Esti ended up marrying Holger in 2002 and moved to his hometown, which was Berlin, where she was also earning money as a waitress. But it was after they moved that everything went quickly downhill. Holger started showing a different side of himself, and he took away all the money his wife was earning, and also later took away her papers when she got scared and said she wanted to leave him and go back to Spain. So now she was definitely trapped. She had no money, all her income was going to Holger, and she couldn't escape back to Spain. So really, she was now stuck with this abuser who had total financial and physical control over her. It was really emotionally and physically draining. He was also said to have abused her verbally and got physical with her. But she stayed, because she had no choice. Esti then went on to take another job in an ice cream shop. But that was when things got even more out of hand. There, she experienced bullying and humiliation from her boss, and among these things, for some reason, her boss refused to let her even take bathroom breaks. It was here on then that she also started developing revenge fantasies against her boss and began researching on the internet on how to burn down his business. Literally. And to be honest, I can't really say I blame her. Yes, I know killing isn't ever the solution to anything, and she shouldn't be excused for breaking law, but who wouldn't start developing revenge fantasies after going through what she's been through? At home, she was controlled and abused with no access to personal and financial freedom. And at work, she was denied the most basic need of using the bathroom and was bullied and shamed by her boss. And she really had no safe haven at this point and was tortured by every person in her personal and professional life. And it's no wonder that she eventually was pushed into a frenzy when it's all snapped. 2005 came, and Esti and her husband moved to Vienna, where they opened an ice cream parlor called Schleckeria. Holger invested a large amount of money in this, and it was said that one of Esti's dreams came true when she had the chance to be part of this ice cream parlor. But this was short-lasted when she realized Holger had a huge fixation on weapons, and he began to live out on his fixation for weapon technology and first-person shooters, which apparently was a category of gaming where the player was playing from a first-person perspective and fights other opponents for firearms. Shortly arriving in Vienna, Esti met an ice cream machine salesman called Manfred Hinterberger, and they just had this attraction. Their relationship, though, didn't begin until two years later, and it's after these two years that Esti finally worked up the courage to divorce Holger and moved out of their apartment, and Holger just stayed living there, and Esti moved out. In early 2008, Esti quit her work at the ice cream parlor, and it was said that for some reason she returned to her old apartment where she used to live with Holger, where she got into a huge fight with him. And it was said that Holger insulted and bullied her for hours and prevented her to leave. And this was when she snapped. While Holger had his back turned towards her and he was facing the computer sitting in his chair, she picked up a pistol and shot her ex-husband three times from behind twice in the back of his head, and once in a temple. Holger died instantly. Esti later said that, quote, I was absolutely helpless. I thought I'd never get my life back, end quote. 
So it was said that her ultimate motive for finally snapping and killing him was because he didn't want to move out of the apartment they shared, and also because she owed him a huge debt for the ice cream parlor, and she was scared that eventually he would come after her and it would cost her the ice cream parlor to pay it off. After killing Hojer, Esty left his body on the chair he was murdered in for a couple of days. She tried burning his body, but the attempts at it failed because of the heavy smoke it created, and she couldn't stop coughing or draw suspicion to her neighbors. She then gave up after a couple days and bought a chainsaw from a hardware store and dismembered Hojer's body. She carefully put each dismembered joint in plastic bags and, not knowing what to do next, she froze the parts in her freezers. And she just left them there until August, not having an actual plan of what to do with them. She was tight on money and eventually couldn't support herself in an apartment. And when her apartment was given notice in autumn 2008, she concreted the plastic bags with Holger's dismembered parts into plastic tubs. So you know those kinds of plastic buckets you'd use to put your mop in when you mop the floor? So it's that kind of plastic tubs. But as she was taking out the body parts, she realized that the freezer was indeed so icy and cold that Holger had been in there since the beginning of the year so that his head was frozen to the bottom of the freezer. She couldn't possibly physically pull his head out, so she filled the entire freezer with concrete. She then stored the plastic tubs in the basement under her ice cream parlor. And because there were so many parts and it was getting heavier, Esty asked two of her friends like, Hey, I need to move these tubs up to my shop. Will you help me? And these friends, blessed her souls, said yes and really had no idea that they were helping a murderer move parts of a dead body off their ex-husband. And I really can't imagine what they must have felt when they found out because it wouldn't have been a good realization nor a good feeling to carry on for the rest of your life. And after moving everything, she told every mutual acquaintance of her and Holgers that he joined a cult in India, which is why he hadn't been reported missing, nor that anyone should be worried. After murdering her ex-husband, Esty felt like she could finally move on. She entered into a relationship with Manfred and moved in with him. Manfred was very wealthy and had a lot of investments, which meant that Esty could pay off all her debts without selling her ice cream parlor. However, this fairy tale didn't last long. It was said that Manfred was often unfaithful and he'd been cheating on Esty with different people. Esty had once been described by a former partner that she was, quote, submissive, end quote, and would do anything for a man. And she had lower self-esteem and really felt the need to please Manfred, especially because he'd help her pay up all her debts and he's a very wealthy man, which meant that life with him meant no financial troubles like the one she had growing up. She started undergoing cosmetic surgeries for him, including a nose reduction, a facelift, and lip injections because Manfred thought her lips were too thin. Manfred also didn't want children despite Esty's long desire ever since she was young because he'd already had grown-up kids with someone else. And over time, this neglect towards Esty's emotional needs and his unfaithfulness to her built this pent-up feeling and she decided that he would eventually meet the same fate as her ex-husband. She later described this feeling as, quote, It's like having a plastic bag over your head. You just have to get out. At that moment, you just have to get out. 
end quote. Now, I don't know why, but this made me think of that Katy Perry song that goes, do you ever feel like a plastic bag? And I guess in this case, for her, it's true. And she just wanted to get out and end it and not drift through the wind and wanting to start again. Okay, jokes aside, Manfred's murder was planned long and meticulously. And Esty didn't want to make the same mistakes again. And by same mistakes, I guess she just wanted to kill him cleanly and not have left so much stuff to clean up after. So she started taking shooting lessons at a shooting range and lining the floors and walls of the room and she planned to murder him with plastic sheets so that she could remove any evidence quickly after the murder. Okay, but look, listen, with the plastic sheets thing, if someone invites me to walk into a random room that's full of plastic sheets covered from head to toe, I'd instantly scream bloody murder in my head. So I don't know what she was thinking with this exactly. Like, how did she plan on luring him into his room? Anyways, Esty decided that she was going to kill him after a romantic getaway of theirs and kill him in his sleep. And that evening in 2010, she waited Manfred to fall asleep before pointing a pistol at him and shot him four times in the back of his head. After that, she left the body untouched for some time before dismembering it again into individual parts using a chainsaw. And this time, her MO was the same. She concreted the body parts and placed them into a freezer in the basement of her ice cream parlor. But this time, however, people started being suspicious of his disappearance. Manfred was a man with a lot of connections, which meant that this time people just kept asking questions. And Esty had no choice but to put on the concerned girlfriend face and report him missing after just four days. Nothing would circle back to her, though. Her boyfriend's strange disappearance just kind of fizzled off. And nothing really came out of it, and she was basically allowed to move on from him. And in December 2010, she entered into a new relationship just less than four months after her boyfriend went missing with a guy called Roland. Esty's ice cream parlor was in the same building with a lot of other shops. So the shop itself wasn't an individual building, but it was one of those shared commercial ones. So in 2011, one of the tenants had to carry out some repair work in the basement as part of a burst water pipe. They discovered that one of the basement compartments was locked with a padlock and wasn't assigned to any tenants in a building. So the tenant was kind of puzzled, but they had to carry out this construction for the leakage. And after asking around the building's manager and some others, they brought the officials and they decided to burst open a padlock using a handgun. And upon entering, they found three freezers and flower pots filled with concrete. And it was reported that one of them had a lower leg sticking halfway out of the pot. The tenant and officials was not expecting this. They called the police right away, and the police brought the tubs and freezers back for examinations, only to excavate parts of human remains which confirmed their suspicions. Several pieces of Manfred's body parts were found, but it was said that only Hoja's skull was found in evidence. The next day, one of Esty's neighbors told Esty what happened in the basement, also suggesting that the body may have been Manfred's. Esty freaked out and emptied her bank account and safe deposit box, had her cleaner get her passport and savings book, and booked a taxi to the airport. She booked a ticket to Paris, but just as when she was about to board, she changed her mind in fear of being caught by the police. 
And she was right because at that time she was already wanted, and there were already police waiting for her at the gate to arrest her. She then boarded a taxi again, which took her to Italy. She checked in at a boarding house under a fake name and left again the next day, escaping the Italian police after her. She escaped to a town called Udine in Italy, where she was taken in by a street performer. She was relieved, but during that night, she could not stop worrying and just started blabbering on about police finding body parts and about thoughts of committing suicide. The guy who took her in felt really strange hearing this, and eventually called in the police, suspecting something was wrong because the stuff that was starting to come out of her made no sense. So then, on June tenth, twenty eleven, Esti was arrested in Udine. The Austrian authorities immediately asked for an extradition, and at the same time, some of the body parts found in the cement had been identified as Manfred. Out of nowhere, Esti revealed that she was in fact two months pregnant, pregnant with her most recent boyfriend Roland's baby. During the interrogation, she immediately admitted that she'd murdered both Manfred and Holger. I think she was trying to get a shorter sentence for herself, also using the fact that she was pregnant. When this came out, Austrian and Spanish press ate this up. Esti had a naturally tiny physique, and there was this whole media sensation on how someone this small and dainty could carry out something so monstrous and dismember two bodies and cementing them. Which I just think this is so hugely misleading, and there's a lot of misconceptions around this. Just because someone is small in size doesn't mean that they can't be a criminal mastermind. Your physical size does not limit your mind and equate to how your brain works. I really have to clarify this: that just because someone looks small doesn't mean their minds are small, and therefore equals to innocence. I really don't get what people are trying to say here. So Esti did end up giving birth in January 2012. She gave birth to a son who was handed over to his father Roland shortly after. There wasn't much said on Roland and what he was like, but they stayed together. And in March 2012, the two married in the interrogation zone of the Vienna Josefstadt prison. Let's talk about Esti's psychiatric report. In the beginning of July 2012, Esti was found to be posing a danger to others and was sane during her crimes. Forensic psychiatrist Adelheid Kastner diagnosed her with a serious personality disorder and expressed fears that she would commit serious crimes again if she were free. She'd always submitted completely to her partner in a relationship, but had never been happy in her situation. And since she wasn't able to end it properly and in the right way, there was an emotional strain, and to her, only deviant options were left to choose from. The psychologist also said that it was because of this, before she could enter into new relationships, she always had to end what failed in her own way. And despite being found sane in all her crimes, Esti was still recommended to be admitted to a mental institution for abnormal offenders. In September 2012, the trial for Esti on the charges of double murder against Holger and Manfred began. The prosecutor also requested that Esti should be committed and bound to an institution. The prosecutor described her as a woman that was quote unique coolness and ruthlessness, end quote. 
So this was directly translated from their original quote. So there's bound to be some language barrier and words lost in translation. Which in this case, I'm sure they're talking about the nature of her crimes being cold and relentless. After two murders, she was said to have shown no remorse. The court hearing was scheduled for November 19th, 2012, and was originally intended to last three days, and was then extended to four days. And this is where it got interesting. So remember the Furitzel case? The monster that built a prison in his own basement? Estee was tried by one of the attorneys called Rudolf Mayer, who was the same attorney that represented Josef Furitzel. On the first day of the trial, Esty made a full confession to all charges and described her actions as being, quote, disgusting, end quote. She said that she felt, quote, miserable, end quote, after the murders, and that she wanted to take her own life but couldn't. She justified that her lack of remorse and lack of empathy was caused by taking sedative medication, which made her emotionally cold. She said, quote, if I burst into tears, you would say, what kind of theater is this? It's disgusting what I've done. I'm trying to pull myself together and take the blame. End quote. Now, I don't know what you think of this, but I, I seriously doubt that if it wasn't for the fact that she was arrested, she would not be admitting to her faults now. I feel like she's only sorry when she got caught. On November 22nd, 2012, the trial ended with a guilty verdict and a life sentence for double murder and a confinement to a mental institution. Estee's attorneys tried appealing to the verdict, but the judgment was confirmed on March 20th, 2013 by the Vienna Higher Regional Court and became legally binding. Estee was going to be serving life in prison. You think this was the end? But it really wasn't. The media sensationalized this, not just because Esty was a woman, but she was also considered a, quote, pretty murderous, end quote, around Europe. Shortly after entering prison, the media reported on Esty's everyday prison life. She aroused a particular fascination for tabloids with stories about her, and these newspapers were able to come up with new stories almost every week and used this interest in her and her story to keep herself occupied and published a memoir on November 2014, which she co-wrote with the journalist Martina Prewine. In this book called My Two Lives, The True Story of the Ice Lady, was published, where she chronicled her life beginning with her childhood in Mexico and ending with her life in prison. And within a year, this book sold more than 10,000 copies, but obviously it was also met with criticisms, even from Estee's own husband. Roland emphasized that she shouldn't have written about the dead in the words she did, and she would just let them pass on in peace. In August 2016, it was announced that Estee would be transferred from the Schwarzo Women's Prison in Lower Austria to the Aston Prison in the Upper Austrian Market Town of the same name. But this was no regular prison, though. That was said to be a new, quote, state-of-the-art prison, end quote, and Esty would be the first female inmate to be transferred to this all-male prison that held 91 male inmates at the time. 
It was said that this had some of the most notorious people locked up, and a number of media had sensationalized that she was, quote, so dangerous, end quote, that she had to be transferred. However, I found no official documents to confirm this. The transfer wasn't carried out until November 2017. A second book on Estee's life was published in September 2018. The author Bernhard Solomon conducted more than a hundred interviews with her and wrote the book titled Cell 14, The True Story of Love Between the Murderous Estibalis Carranza, known as the Ice Lady, and a fellow inmate. This revealed Estes' relationship with another inmate called Martin, while still married to Ronald. After the relationship between Martin became known, Martin was transferred to another prison. And it was said that Martin and Esty were engaged before he had moved away. And finally, when Ronald found out, he divorced Esty in August 2018 after six and a half years of marriage. And in July 2019, Esty officially split with Martin. And that is the end for now. Esty remained behind bars at a all-male prison and her psychiatrist had said she was too dangerous to be let out because of the high probability she would commit these heinous crimes again to someone else. So, what do you think? I guess I've realized that the past two cases I've talked about were all about dismembered body cases. And I promise this wasn't intentional. And next time I'll put a little warning beforehand to highly suggest you not be eating or snacking in any way when you're listening to the recordings. Weak stomachs won't tolerate well.